My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, the 24th chapter, beginning with the 13th verse. It is our tradition at King's to stand when scripture is being read. So if you are able, please stand and read with me. That very day, meaning Easter Sunday, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor, Jerusalem, who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels, who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour, returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. May God add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Now, if we were in church, I would call the children up and I would have a, a, a handful of bandanas and I would blindfold each child, explaining to them that we were going to play a game and we were going to try and see if they could identify the adults in the church by just the sound of their voice. And one by one, I would have the adults say, you are not going to believe it. But two men were walking and talking with someone they didn't even recognize.
And one by one, the children would have the uh, opportunity to identify the grown-ups. And in the past, when I've done this children's sermon, some they identify quickly. They know those voices very well, and others it might take a little bit of time. And then the adults might even have some fun and make their voices higher or lower, or even change their pronunciation of certain words to confuse the children. But sooner or later, all the adults are identified. And when they are, I would remind the children that in the Bible story, these two disciples who knew Jesus, when they saw him where they didn't expect to see him, didn't recognize him. And that even though Jesus may not be easily recognizable, he is always with us. Let us pray. God, thank you for that Jesus died for our sins. Not only did he die, but he defeated death and rose again. Thank you that Jesus is alive and working in the world today. Open our eyes because we want to see Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, some people pick on the two disciples on the road to Emmaus because they say, how could they not have known Jesus? Now, Cleopas and his friend were not in the 12, but they might have been in the 72. They might have traveled with Jesus. We know that they were familiar enough with Jesus to know his word and his message. So it would be surprising to us that they would not recognize Jesus. Well, maybe not as surprising as you would think. So when I first moved to Mullica Hill, Vicki and I went grocery shopping. And in one of the aisles of the grocery store, we came across a first grade teacher at one of the buildings in which I teach. Now, this first grade teacher and I ate lunch together every day, and I saw her children in music class every third day. This was not a person with whom I was casually acquainted. I knew her, spoke to her, ate with her, worked with her every day. And yet, when I went to introduce her to Vicky, complete blank. Why? Because she was in the school part of my brain and I was in the ShopRite part of my brain and I couldn't access that information. I'm sure that's happened to you. I couldn't reach her name. I couldn't find it. I could discern it. And the harder I looked for it, the further it hid in the back of my mind. Well, she must have seen it in my face because it was totally blank, frustrated, and, and a little annoyed with myself. And she shook out her hand and met Vicky and introduced herself. And we all had a good laugh because sometimes when a person isn't where we expect to see them, even though we know them very well, we have trouble remembering their name or recognizing them. Now, another embarrassing story, again, on me was uh, at the motorcycle shop. I had taught that day, and I had kindergarten, and there was a cute little boy in kindergarten named Christian, and Christian and I had a little bit of fun in class. We always did. He was one of those uh, 70-year-old men in a five-year-old body. I enjoyed that kind of child, an old soul, and I had to go get work done on my motorcycle. So I'm at the shop, and sure enough, in wanders Tristan and his dad. Now, I'd never met Tristan's dad, but he looked like a professional bodybuilder. He had muscles on muscles, and he was looking at the big bikes, and I was just waiting for mine to be fixed. And as often happens with a 
a child and I, Tristan started making faces and I made faces back and he waved and I waved back and just in mid-wave, his dad turned around and he saw this stranger that he did not know interacting with this child. And he came charging across the motorcycle shop, stood nose to nose with me and in a loud, clear and intimidating voice said, why are you playing with my son? Well, I put my hands up in surrender and I, I said, I'm sorry, sir. I'm his music teacher. And Tristan came running over and daddy, daddy, this is Dr. Madison, my music teacher. And, and we had a good laugh. And I realized that it might not be such a good idea in this environment <laughs> to wave at even children you already know. Well, that brings me to my last story and perhaps the most embarrassing of them all. When I was in college, I was a lifeguard. And we had three pools at the pool where I worked. We had a kiddie pool. We had the uh, lap pool, the big pool that most people swam in. And we, we had the diving pool with a, a short board and, and a tall board. I enjoyed, most of all, the kiddie pool. I've always gotten along well with children. And on a hot day in July, I would shout, Sp- Flashing choir and all the little children in the kiddie pool would come over to the edge and I would conduct them like they were a great orchestra and they would all splash the lifeguard. It was, it was a lot of fun. It kept me cool. It kept them occupied. But the most fun perhaps was when I left and the next lifeguard sat down, I would stand behind them, conduct my arms and the children would splash the new lifeguard. That didn't always go over very well. So while I was sitting at the pool, at the kiddie pool, I began to learn the children's names and play with them and have fun with them. And there was one little boy and uh, he didn't like his name. Let's call him Scotty. He didn't like the name Scotty and he wanted a nickname. And I said, well, what's your favorite part of your face? He said, my nose. I said, what's your favorite thing to eat? He said, a pickle. I said, well, then we will call you Pickle Nose. Well, he thought that was the top of fame. And when he would come to the kiddie pool, he would put out his arms and he would shout, Pickle Nose is here. And Pickle Nose and I, just like Tristan and I, developed a relationship. We splashed, we played all summer long, and the pool closed. And I thought nothing more of Pickle Nose. A couple months later, I'm standing in line at the bank, and sure enough, who's standing in front of me but Pickle Nose and his mother. And I'm standing in line, ready to make a deposit, and she's there for whatever reason, and Pickle Nose peeks out from behind his mother, and he looks at me, and there's that moment of recognition, and he smiles, and I smile, and he waves, and I wave, and he hides, and we're playing hide-and-seek back and forth. It's a lot of fun. And the mom turns around and very much like Tristan's, Christian's dad at the motorcycle shop, she has this look of annoyance and horror. Who is this man playing with my child? And slowly she stops. And in a, a loud and voice of recognition, she shouts, Oh, I didn't recognize you with your clothes on. Well, surely the entire bank turns around and there's a collective gasp. And I think she and I both blushed red from the tips of our toes to the top of our head. 
it is very easy to not recognize somebody when they're not where you expect them to be. A pastor uh, named Nathan Nettleton wrote this about the disciples on the way to Aeneas. How is it that you can have the risen Christ with you, walking and talking with you, and yet be unaware of it? Well, I think the answer may be found in the universal human phenomenon known as not being able to see the forest for the trees. That is that when we see too much of something, we end up not noticing at all. We become completely oblivious to it. It's just kind of merges into the background of normality. And in our age, even more than in the first century, we are so conditioned by dazzling marketing that is constantly upping the ante on spectacular ways of grabbing your attention that things just merge into the background of normality and have precious little chance of being noticed at all. The risen Christ is always with us. He walks with us on every road. He is with us at the heights of joy and celebration. He's with us in the pits of terror and despair. His spirit is in the very air we breathe. His presence is the glue that holds the cosmos together. If God's spirit was withdrawn, everything that is would disintegrate back into dust and chaos. There's absolutely nowhere you can go and nothing you can do without being in the living presence of the risen Christ. But that's the problem, isn't it? That which is always and everywhere present quickly slips beyond our awareness and just becomes the taken-for-granted background that we ignore as we live our lives. And so Christ walks with us like the disciples on the road to Emmaus or sits with us at table and we fail to recognize him. What then can we do? How can we reattune our awareness so that we become increasingly and perhaps eventually constantly conscious of God's presence with us? Well, this story offers a message of hope. See, we, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we feel exhausted. We feel empty. We feel trapped. Some of us in this pandemic feel Exhausted, empty, and trapped in our house with, with nowhere to go. What an awful rainy week it's been. It's not even been nice enough to go outside and maybe do some yard work or enjoy the sun. It's just been awful weather. And we feel trapped. And yet here's the good news. Just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, Jesus knew where they were going. He knows where you are. He knows where you're going. Jesus knew what was in their hearts. They wanted the gospel to be true. And yet they left before the end of the story. It's like leaving an opera at the end of the second act. You have to stay to hear the end of the story. And they left too soon. He knew what was in their hearts. And Jesus knew how to renew their hope. For Jesus and for us... Hope in the risen Messiah comes from a knowledge of the scriptures. So let's dive into the scriptures and see what they have for us today. Well, the first thing I'd like you to know is that Jesus requires an invitation. 
God has decided before the beginning of time that he would not force himself on his people, that we would need to invite him into our hearts, into our lives, into our minds, into our our very existence. God is a God who needs to be invited. Jesus in the story was invited into the discussion and he was invited into the house for the breaking of the bread. Remember, Jesus says in the book of Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, I'm a knocker. I am not a walker-inner. And uh, I have friends that are walker-inners, and they, they open the door to your house, and as they're coming in, they shout, hello, hello, we're here. Well, I, I'm a knocker. I'm going to knock on your door no matter how well I know you and wait for you to invite me in. Well, that happens for two reasons. One is that's the way I was raised. And the other is I don't want to walk in to an embarrassing situation, an unfinished argument, a half-dressed host, uh, a room that you wish you had time to read up before I entered. Jesus, too, is a knocker. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, he says. Jesus needs to be invited into your walking, into your working, into your worrying, into your wishing, into your worshiping. Jesus needs to be invited. Jesus then needs to be listened to. I've heard many speakers say that they wish they had been there for this Bible lesson to hear Jesus' perspective on the scriptures and the risen Messiah. Well, we don't have a record of that. I wish that Cleopas had written it down, dictated it to an amanuensis, that we had a record of that wonderful lesson, but we don't. And yet, we do know that the disciples, Cleopas and his friend, were so inspired that they immediately turned back to Jerusalem. Jesus was a teacher. But a teacher isn't a teacher without students. And students can't fully learn without a teacher. You might say, well, Doc, there's the school of hard knocks, and I can learn from experience, and we learn from failure. But what does a teacher do? A teacher grows us, grooms us, and then graduates us so that we can be teachers. I have a student... I have many students, but this student I'm particularly proud of. I had her from eighth grade all the way through high school. She was in choir. She was in the drama program. She was in the elite choir. She even took my psychology class. When the choir toured uh, Italy and Germany, she was there with us. And one of the highlights for me was her senior year, she sang Cry Me a River, at the uh, Pops concert. The seniors were allowed to select a song, a solo, and I would coach them and work with them. And for an 18-year-old girl, it was about as perfect a performance as there could be. There was emotion. The phrasing was perfect. The dynamics, the delivery, the diction, the drama, it was perfect. And when she came off stage... 
I greeted her backstage with a hug and there were tears in her eyes. And she looked at me and she said, I am always going to have your voice in my head shouting, breathe now. And I laughed and I said, it's only fair. I have my teacher's voice in my head and she has her teacher's voice in her head. That's what teachers do. Years later, this same student published a children's book. It's called Not Quite Narwhal. Her name is Jessie Seema. You can get it on Amazon. And she came to the school for a book signing. And I went up to her with my book in hand and she signed, Dr. Madison, thank you for helping me find my voice. Teachers need students so that they can teach their students to become teachers and to share the good news. Jesus was finishing his lesson with Cleopas. Now, Jesus doesn't only need to be invited. He doesn't only need to be listened to, but Jesus needs to be recognized. And it says he was recognized in the breaking of the bread. And some people believe that it was the scars in his hands, just like Thomas, that when he broke the bread, they could see the nail prints and recognize Jesus. Or was it a miraculous recognition that the Holy Spirit had blinded them to Jesus' identity and then miraculously the scales fell from their eyes? Was it a face palm aha moment when they... In the breaking of the bread, they said, oh my goodness, how could we have not known all along? Or, or was it the familiarity of the act that they had seen Jesus do so many times, break the bread and give thanks? Now, I know about your house, but in our house, there's a lot of rerun watching going on during this pandemic because fewer and fewer shows are producing new episodes and the other day, one of my favorite episodes of MASH was on. Major Winchester was protecting himself from the horror and suffering of death, which he constantly deals and breaks with. And in this episode, he was going into a type of depression in which he struggles to find answers to life's most protecting problem, death. Finally, in utter desperation, he leaves the base hospital and goes to the battalion aid station where the wounded are first taken. Colonel Potter discovers where he is and calls him, ordering him to return to the MASH hospital. A medical corpsman interrupts the conversation and calls the surgeon over to a man who is dying. Winchester confirms the impending death with a glance. The soldier says, I can't see anything. Hold my hand. And the major replies, I am. I'm dying, the soldier mourns. And this causes the surgeon's unarticulated questions to surface. Can you see anything? Can you feel anything? I have to know. But the dying soldier doesn't answer. Instead, he says, I smell bread. You cannot miss the significance of the symbol. Bread is the symbol for Christ. It's a symbol for going home. It is at the table that we are brought face to face with the person and mission of Jesus Christ. In that meal, we celebrate our death and our life in Christ. But Christ doesn't allow us any more than he allowed the disciples to relax and enjoy 
the fellowship at his table. Simply talking about the Lord and what the resurrection experience means to us, as though that's all there is to the Easter appearances of Jesus. There's a significant part of the continuing story about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those who hear it and believe it, that it is true, are charged with the responsibility of passing it on to the rest of the world so that all people will have the opportunity to recognize Jesus. Jesus needs to be shared. The story ends with the two disciples going back and sharing the news of the risen Christ. Well, Jesus needs to be invited to the conversation of our lives. And if you've never invited Jesus into the conversation of your life, take today to admit your sin, to admit that you need a Savior, accept the gift that Jesus died for you, especially for you, and embark on the adventure of living and walking and worshiping with Christ. Or if you've already accepted that invitation, well then share Jesus with those around you and tell people what he's done for you. And finally, during this crazy time, please make an effort to lift up those around you in prayer. Be safe, be well, and know that we will celebrate the breaking of the bread together Please look at the church's website because next Sunday we're going to do a virtual communion service and we'll do that on uh, Facebook Live. But make today the day that you look for, see, recognize, and invite Jesus into your life. Amen.